beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great suffering which our Lord had suffered throughout his life, especially on the cross, was now over. He had crossed the finish line, so to speak, in his redeeming work. He had died a terrible death on the cross, and he suffered the wrath of God uh, for our sins in our place. But again, all of that was now over. It was joyously over. And on Easter Sunday morning, the Lord Jesus, he arose again from the dead. And he would never suffer again, having been raised. He would never suffer again in his body, in his soul. He had gained glorious, indestructible life. So that was great, of course. But as we also see from our reading, Jesus' disciples were still in a state of despair. They did not understand from the Scriptures that the Christ had to die and then rise again from the dead. And so, they were crushed, and at various points, Jesus had to reveal himself to them. Now, one such example comes right before our text. The disciples were gathered together in a room together uh, out of fear of the Jewish leaders. And Christ suddenly stood among them and gave them that beautiful greeting, Peace be with you. The disciples there were, of course, thrilled to see the Lord Jesus alive again. But there was one problem. One of the disciples was not there, the disciple Thomas. And when the disciples told him later, we have seen the Lord, he just didn't believe it. Now, this is where we, of course, get the nickname Doubting Thomas from. Thomas doubted the report the other disciples gave him. He replied uh, after they told him the news, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers in the mark of the nails, and unless I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, given what Thomas says here, uh, the name Doubting Thomas doesn't quite capture his feelings. Rather than saying he doubted, perhaps it's better to say he, he didn't want to believe this message. As one man put it, Thomas wasn't so much a doubter, but a, a determined disbeliever. In some ways, it's understandable. Thomas, the disciple, just experienced the disappointment of a lifetime. His Lord and Master had just been crucified on the cross. He did not see it coming, and it shattered his world. He probably felt incredible frustration, maybe even anger. All those years of following, Jesus seemed uh, pointless, useless, wasted. And Christ died on the cross. Now the other disciples told them him he was alive again. It was just too emotionally draining to trust that message. Uh, better not get your hopes up only to have them dashed in pieces once more. 
And you know what? Those sorts of things, they can also stand in the way of of other people believing in Jesus Christ as well. Well, perhaps someone has gone through a disappointment of a lifetime, might wonder why God brought you through such a painful trial, and it can feel emotionally draining to trust again. Can we believe? And other people do not believe in the risen Christ out of pure skepticism. Death is so final. How could someone rise from the dead? But here in our text, in all of Scripture, God calls us away from unbelief. Calls us to put it away. To trust Him. To trust His Word. He is a faithful God. His Word, the Bible, it's dependable, it's true. And so He calls us to believe. And that's what we see also in the next verses of our text. Eight days later, the disciples were gathered together again inside. And this time, Thomas was with them. And as they remained in that room, Christ, He made another appearance Verse 26 says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and then he gave them that beautiful greeting again, peace be with you. And after the greeting, he directed his words to Thomas. Notice the compassion of our resurrected Savior, Jesus. He didn't wag his finger at Thomas saying, why didn't you believe? He didn't rebuke him or even scold him. Instead, he came to his weak, his stubborn and disappointed disciple, and he gently invites him. Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Take your hand. Place it in my side. You know what? Christ didn't need to do this. He could have denied Thomas's demand to see and to touch. But in love, he stoops down to help Thomas in his weakness, and that is our Savior. He's compassionate. As Hebrews 4 describes it so well, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's gentle passionate toward us, even as we struggle in faith. You know what? The Lord is still gentle and compassionate with us in our weaknesses. In fact, this is one of the very reasons why God has given us the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. We, we hope to enjoy celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper after the sermon And as we confess in Article 33 of the Belgian Confession, we believe that our gracious God, mindful of our insensitivity and weakness, has ordained sacraments to seal His promises to us and to be pledges of His goodwill and grace towards us. He did so to nourish and sustain our faith. See, the Lord Jesus invited Thomas to come forward to to touch 
the nail marks in his hands to place his hand in Jesus' side. They gave visible, a tangible confirmation that the same person whom Thomas had followed all those years and had seen crucified on the cross, that that same person was now alive again. He was really alive, and he was speaking to Thomas once more. And that's similar to what we have in the Lord's Supper and the bread and the wine. We have symbols of Christ's body and blood, symbols of our resurrected Savior. God is mindful of our weakness, and so we can, as it were, touch Jesus' body. See his blood poured out as the only sacrifice for sins. We can taste the living Christ who feeds our souls with his living body and blood. And through the word, through the message of, of the gospel this morning, through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, God calls us to put away unbelief put on faith, to trust in the only Savior, Jesus. And that's what our Lord did to Thomas. He did stoop down to help Thomas in his weakness, but then he also called Thomas to faith. He said, do not disbelieve, but believe. And that same call goes out to us this morning Do not disbelieve, but believe in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. He really did die on that cross nearly 2,000 years ago. And He really did rise again from the dead on the third day. And He is still alive. He is a risen Lord. and He is the Savior of the world. He is the only Savior He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. So put your faith in Him. He is the Savior of the world. Now gladly, thankfully, in response to Jesus' call to faith, Thomas did believe in Christ. And not only does he put his faith in Christ for salvation, but he gives one of the clearest, if not the clearest, the statements of Jesus' deity uh, in the entire Bible. He confesses to Christ, my Lord and my God. It wasn't just, hey, you're really alive. No, my Lord and my God. Consider these words. Thomas said to Jesus, you're my Lord. You're the person who bought me with your precious blood. You're the one who owns me, who takes care of me, who gives me life. You are my king and my master, the one I want to follow, the one I want to obey and serve. You are my Lord, also my source of joy. Consider the the words of Psalm 16, verse 2. I said to Yahweh, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And Thomas said to Christ, you are my God. That's covenantal language. The heart of God's covenant, His relationship with His people, is that that beautiful promise, you will be my people and I will be your God. 
And that relationship is expressed so wonderfully here by Thomas as his resurrected Lord Jesus stands in front of him, my Lord and my God. In fact, we can even call this statement of Thomas the climax of John's gospel. It seems that John has been building to this confession ever since the opening verses of this gospel. In chapter 1, he describes uh, the Son the Son of God, in this way, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or take John 10, verse 30, where Christ says, I and the Father are one. Or John 14, verse 9, where Jesus tells his disciple Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And that's what we have here with Thomas. He puts it so clearly, my Lord and my God. And John wrote these things also so that we might make that same confession, see who Jesus really is. He's our God, the Son of God, came down to be our Savior, came down to conquer the grave for you and for me, to restore to us that life we had lost and thrown away by our sin. This is our God in Jesus Christ, the one who has saved us. Now, Thomas may have earlier stubbornly refused to believe, but here he gets it right. He gets it right by the grace of God. Now, in response to Thomas's confession, <clears throat> Christ gives a mild rebuke. He showed compassion and patience earlier, but he also hints that Thomas, yeah, he should have believed uh, right away, also when the disciples told him. So he says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, of course, those words aren't only addressed to Thomas, but they are addressed to everyone who reads these words of John's gospel. They're addressed to us this morning, sitting here in this church. It's true for all of you. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's true for you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, He's the only Savior, you will be blessed. And you will be blessed far more than you can even imagine. What kind of blessing is this? Does Jesus mean you're going to get really rich and always be healthy? No, that's not what he means. The blessings he's talking about are different, but they are, they are much better. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven, wiped away completely. God will count you righteous as Christ is righteous. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will, you will be a child of God, adopted by God's love. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life. This is how our Lord Jesus proclaimed it in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. Let's now respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing together hymn 33.